All right, welcome in to another edition of R.J. Bell's Dream Preview College Basketball Edition. I'm A.J. Hoffman, joined as always by Griffin Warner. You can find both of our stuff over at pregame.com. Griffin, how are you, my man? Doing well. Uh, incredibly busy weekend with all the NFL. I'm glad soccer wasn't going this weekend really much at all. But there's so many college basketball games, the preseason tournaments that are littered across the spaces of this earth are awesome um but i swear i feel like i've been looking at bart torvik more than uh looking at the mirror or or any sort of thing in this world this weekend yeah it's been a it's been a wild one i love these these uh pre-conference season tournaments these early season tournaments there's one uh what they got going on in here in vegas right now this uh you know washington and san diego state playing uh this evening um they're just fun maui tomorrow maui I mean, the field there is incredible. Uh, yeah. There's six good teams, and then there's Syracuse and Chaminade. So, uh, <laughs> like, you never know what's going to happen. Uh, it's, but it is, it's an exciting time for sure. And I think there's some some decent spots to make some money as well. So that's what we're going to look at today. We're going to look at some of the big games going on this week, and uh, hit you with some best bets at the end, and um, you know, try try and find some winners. Let's start with the Maui games tomorrow. And we'll start with the uh, – there's four games tomorrow. I think there's two that should be pretty competitive. Kansas plays Chaminade and Tennessee plays Syracuse. Um, I I think the Syracuse team is dreadful. Uh, they're 3-0, and but, like, they've got they're, – they're just not good. Like, I've watched a little bit of them play. I, I don't like anything about them. Um, and Tennessee is – I say this every year. I get suckered every year, but Tennessee looks really good. Um that said, the other two matchups, first round matchups, I think are fantastic. So let's start with the earlier one. Uh, starts at five Eastern, I believe, on Monday. We're looking at Purdue versus Gonzaga. Actually, you know what? I, I mean, I guess I might as well throw it out there now. I was going to save it to the end, but I, my best bet is on this game. So I, I'm, my best bet's early in the show, Griff. We're, that's how we're changing things up with best bets. Great, I like it. Anything, and then, anything can help at this point. <laughs> we'll do yours at the end. Uh, I lost cool. my first best bet of the season on the pods this week. Um, I did not get any help from Georgia, so I, I've, I'm out. I'm Georgia's dead to me. Just let's put it that way. Understood. But I'm going to go Purdue minus three as my best bet here. I am not one of these people who's saying that St. Mary's is better than Gonzaga or Gonzaga's fallen off. Uh, like. I, I love the EK edition. I love the Nimhard edition. I still think that Nolan Hickman may someday be able to find something that resembles the guy Gonzaga thought they recruited uh, when they got the first five-star in the history of their program. Um, but I, I do think this matchup is a little too much too soon for Braden Huff. Uh, Gonzaga continues to find awesome bigs. And I think Huff will be an awesome big, but he is a freshman right now. He's a little undersized and he is a boy. He, you know, he's a a true freshman and he looks like an 18 year old kid. And now you have to put him in charge of slowing down Zach Eady. And that's just kind of unfair. Um, Add in for Purdue that, that Braden Smith is, is running the offense masterfully. He did what he wanted against Xavier and this team's going to be hard to stop, man. The, the Boilermakers shooting really well from outside. They're top five in three-point percentage. So if Gonzaga has to send extra help for Edie, they can punish you from outside. Gonzaga is replacing 
almost every trustworthy offensive option from last season. Timmy's gone. Strother's gone. Malachi Smith is gone. Rasir Bolton's gone. I, I Like I said, I love some of the pieces that came in. I think Hickman will become that one day. I, I, I do. I love Nimhard and EK a lot, but I'm going to fade the lack of continuity early uh, because I think it is going to take those guys some time to uh, to become a team. And, and this Purdue Purdue squad just has a, a cheat code right now with Zach Eady. And unless you have the kind of frontline guys that can slow him down, I, I don't know how you beat this team. And I look at Gonzaga's roster, and I, I just don't see that right now. So best bet for me is going to be Purdue. What do you think of that game? Yeah, I um, unfortunately, I don't really know what a number that I want to look to be against Purdue would be. I mean, like most of the time you get nine points and they probably stop fouling at the end or something in that nature. Um, not expecting that sort of thing against a, a big name program like Gonzaga on a neutral floor, of course. But just thinking in general for Purdue going forward, where are places that I want to be against them? It's probably on the road where they definitely have some pretty significant, maybe even you call them drastic road splits. But that's also because they're so good at home. Um, I, I just I don't really know what to do with this Purdue team besides want to back them. But I think the days of Purdue being a two point underdog on the road at a, a like a, a weak or, or not great big Big Ten team is just those days are gone and are not coming back until Edie's out of the program or is in the NBA or something of that nature. So um, I, I don't really know what number I'd like Gonzaga. Uh, certainly they have the track record, but as you said, they're breaking in a lot of new players. And uh, unfortunately, the comments that Mark Few made last year early in the season that Nolan Hickman was supposed to be their point guard but was not ready – um, I don't know that he's ready yet, and this will be a good test for him. Uh, I think if you're playing Gonzaga here, you're really looking for Purdue to struggle with um, the three and Zach Eady offense, basically. Uh, I just don't know, even with Gonzaga's good track record of having big guys, Ben Gregg is, I think, a, a really good potential stretch the floor, maybe pull Edie out away from the basket, and that could be a way to potentially make some uh, difference and, and try to, I guess, punish a, a Purdue team for a huge plus sign on the, on the offensive side and, a, and potentially a negative on the defensive side. If you can kind of get Edie having to play away from the basket because um, he's not comfortable there, he's not fast enough. And that's the way to get him in foul trouble. I feel like though, if you're playing against Purdue, um, you're really hoping that Edie has a limited effort and it's really likely because he's either giving up more points than he's earning on offense, which seems very unlikely, or he's in foul trouble and is not on the court. Yeah, and uh, Kaufman Wren is has been a nice uh, like his him stepping up has been good for Purdue as well. Gives him kind of a second body down low. Caleb first when he's on the floor has been effective. So as, as particularly as a, a secondary shot blocker. So maybe I don't know. Maybe they've got some options if if Edie's in trouble. Obviously, like this this is an Edie handicap. You know, if, if he's on that's I think if he's on the floor he dominates. Um, but I, I don't think he's the only thing going, uh, particularly with how well Braden Smith is playing. I, I think this offense has a lot more to offer. All right, let's look at the the nightcap there. And I, I teased to this on uh, Thursday's episode. And Marquette is laying five against UCLA. I love this Marquette team, as I have made very clear on this pod and yeah. elsewhere. Uh, particularly with a healthy Tyler Kolick. I ended up not playing them against Illinois because I was worried about him being out. Uh, thank you, Twitter, for scaring me away. And not only did he play, he absolutely dominated that game. And now he's going up against a UCLA team with a freshman running the point. And the, the Bruins are generally just a very young team. 
they they've had all this experience for the last several years, you know, the, the final four team and, you know, they've got two upperclassmen now who get any minutes whatsoever. One of them is a transfer, a new guy. Meanwhile, there there's just few teams in the country with more time on the floor together than Marquette. You know, besides Prosper leaving to the NBA, and and they just they just slid in last year's sixth man, David Joplin, into his slot. I mean, this is basically the same team as a year ago. This this is team basketball at its finest, and I don't I don't think UCLA can can catch up to that in just a few games against undermanned low major teams. Like the fact that this is their first real game of the season. Uh, I, I think they're in for a rude awakening. I, I think Marquette runs away with this game. So I, I like Marquette here. What do you think? It's just amazing how that you say all these things. And I agree with them about a Chaka smart coach team. Cause unfortunately I watched him in Austin, just literally praying for these type of comments about a, a Texas team that he was running. And it never happened. It's that was a a, everywhere he's at, so. except Texas for some reason. Like he, he, That's <laughs> the one brutal. place he wasn't built for. Yeah. Uh, I guess, you know, we're not certainly we uh, as a Texas alum. Um, I'll try not to say we too often, uh, but it's just one of those things where unfortunately it's never it's never as easy as you think it would be. But uh, back to this game and to this world that we're living in today, um, UCLA. I, I love Mick Cronin as an underdog. Uh, I'm really hoping that they potentially get blown out by Marquette here, and that might give us some value for later in this tournament. Um, just looking at the matchup and how these two teams are going to go about doing things, it seems like to me UCLA are going to try to go inside and uh, they're going to have to absolutely own the offensive boards and really have some efficient scoring inside, which is really not what happens in the year of our Lord 2023 in college basketball, unfortunately. So um, it's a guards game and UCLA seems to have a big weakness there. Uh, they're replacing so much from what was such a good team for a couple of years yeah. or three years, four years that really didn't, I think, accomplish what it needed to. And the names that I know or we know um, that are in their front court were always kind of the guys off the bench that offered five fouls. So, like, I, I mean, maybe there's been some big growth from from Bona and potentially from Nuba as well, plus this uh, new seven foot three Ademara. Um, I just don't know, like you can't, probably can't play three of them on the floor at the same time. You probably can't even play two. Uh, I think UCLA has been trying, but I, I don't really know where this UCLA team is going to go. I feel like they're kind of imbalanced. And if there's ever a team that's going to take advantage of that, it's Marquette. So I'm hoping that some UCLA money comes in and drives this down lower, this price lower. But I, I don't think it's going to happen. And uh, it's probably one that I'll watch, hope for a Marquette dominant victory which will potentially make your future look a little bit better and uh you know maybe get some value come down the stretch with UCLA or maybe even wait till conference play for that to happen yeah I, I think what Marquette did to Illinois I think any chance that people are going to be like oh I don't believe in this Marquette team we got to fade them here I, I think that's out the window I, I think that there is a sense that this is a, a real team that this team is legit they overachieved last year sure but the fact that they're almost all of them are still together and I obviously, you know, whether you, whether you like to admit it or not, a very well coached team. Um, and it is a team like these these dudes. It's not like a bunch of one and done high flyers, NBA type players. This is it's pick and roll like it's old school basketball and it works very well. They play hard defense. They, they turn you over. They don't turn it over themselves. It's just a fun team, man. And, and I think that kind of play travels. And I think it especially works against inexperienced teams and that's what we're looking at with UCLA despite the brand name all right let's uh let's fast forward in the week a little bit and now we get to where we're projecting some lines but we're going to project 
Michigan State plus seven against Arizona. This game's played out in California. Uh, all the all the games we're going to talk to here today are neutral site games, uh, except for Griffin's best bet, I believe. Uh, uh, also although, neutral. No. Oh, no, it is neutral. neutral. Okay. Yes. So yeah, every game then we're talking is a neutral site game. This one's up in California, and um, I, Arizona to me is just like it's the same almost every year. They just they they play a really tough non conference schedule. And they dominate for like the first 20 games. It feels like they they look like the team, the best team in the country or one of them, certainly. And now they go up against a Sparty team that is already stumbling all over the place. Defensively, they're solid, but there's no consistent offense yet. They're a bad shooting team. They can't get to the free throw line. When they do get there, they can't make their free throws. They're a mediocre offensive rebounding team. And rebounding and three-point shooting, that's the sweet spot for Arizona. <laughs> like the the weakness to Arizona, if you're if you're nitpicking and trying to find a soft spot for them, to me is is turnovers, which they tend to happen when you go as fast as Arizona does. You're gonna turn the ball over. But the Spartans haven't really shown to be a team that's gonna force a ton. And I go back to it at the end of the day, there's just one reliable offensive option for for Sparty, and that's Tyson Walker. I don't believe in AJ Hogard. I I, th- I think that he's wildly overrated. Uh, and if you only have one guy, one guy you feel like you can go to and trust on the offensive end, I I don't know how you can hang with this Arizona team because it's like it's a machine. This is an offensive machine, and if you only have one scoring option that you trust, you're going to get run out of the gym by these guys. I. Again, I don't know if this will be the number. Michigan State tends to get better numbers even than I expect, so I actually hope that they do. I hope there's a lot of Michigan State respect out there, but I worry that the early season loss to James Madison, not I mean, I guess the final score looked more competitive than the game against Duke, but to me it wasn't a very competitive game against Duke. I just don't know if, if anybody who's actually watching these Michigan State games can be saying, oh, it's about to break out because it doesn't look anything like it's about to break out to me. Yeah, um, Arizona and, and challenge themselves with the, the road game at Duke as well. Weird to have two teams play five games and already have a common opponent between the two. But uh, it makes a little more sense when Arizona won and uh, on the road and then Michigan State lost on a neutral. It, it's it's I mean, seeing Torvik with Arizona only a one point favorite in this one seems way too cheap. So I think I far more agree with your seven than what he's putting out there. Um, some of those numbers that Torvik's been putting out have been really confusing to me. Um, Ken Palm maybe, has this one at six. So, yeah. I, I mean, I'm, I'm hoping that's the number. I, one would be my bet of the year. <laughs> it's, it's funny because I, I feel like Torvik's been in a way like way favorites heavy in a lot of these projections and at this point now i'm just completely kind of ignoring it and thinking okay maybe those numbers will get ironed out a little bit as the season moves on but uh regardless in this one arizona probably gets plenty of home court advantage as well for having a bunch of fans they hit southern california really well shouldn't have a problem in this matchup um michigan state i feel like i mean they play a really tough schedule they've probably played um, more difficult teams than Arizona have combined, but still probably nothing more difficult than a road trip to Cameron Indoor for your second game of the season or so. So um, I don't really know where to go with this Michigan State team. Unfortunately, I feel like 
Um, I've kind of felt like Tom Izzo has been on the wrong side of, of history, not necessarily like he's a bad dude or anything, but just the, the program hasn't been the same. I feel like they should be kicked out of the champions classic, which even really isn't to me a, a team of, of competitors at this point for national championship. It's been a while. Um, but I think from a Michigan state point of view, yes, they're going to try to regain some three point shooting that they were incredible with last season, but they're still really missing Joey Hauser. Um, didn't realize how big of an impact he'd be missing him would be. But as you mentioned, Hogar's going to drive Tyson Walker's going to shoot long th- distance, three point shots, end of shot clock. And that's just not really an efficient offense. And it's really hard to trust that he'll put up the same type of shooting numbers again, this season, even with another season under his belt, still the same height, still going to take some tough shots. And I think they're going to be in, under a lot of pressure because Arizona's going to score. They're going to, it's probably going to be a really fast paced game. I think there might be some interest for me in, in over here. Um, but you also likely need Michigan state to really compete and keep this close enough for fouling late. Um, and I'm a little worried that Arizona kind of blows their doors off and, and runs away pretty early. I am too. I mean, if, if let's say Arizona gets a, a 12 point lead at some point in the first half, like what is, how does Michigan state play? Like, I mean, they, they can't, they're all, like I said, their offense isn't really built to run and gun and take quick threes. Like they, they don't have anybody who can make them. Uh, it's a, it's a nightmare scenario. So this does feel like a, a bit of a blowout scene to me. All right. La, uh, last game before we get to uh, Griffin's best bet here, looking at USC, we're going to project it minus three against Seton hall. And this is in San Diego. So it's, you know, it's a, a SoCal game, but it's, it's in San Diego. Uh, Seton halls looked fine so far, but they haven't played anyone even close to good. Their offense is, so centered around Kadari Richmond slash into the basket or Betty Yako cleaning up his misses and, and getting second chances. There's really nothing else to it. My, my worry for Seton hall is SC has the size to take that away and forced him to shoot. And if that happens, I, I love USC's chances here. Listen, USC, uh, full disclosure, uh, just lost me a bet tonight. I had them against Brown, and they. This is the second game in a row they've wildly underperformed. I started out two and zero with them. I w- I said I didn't feel good about them against UC Irvine, but I certainly didn't see them losing that game outright right. by double digits. And then I said I'm going to go back to the well with them here against Brown, a team that they're just going to be able to out athlete. And they let Brown hang around with them, and for most of the game, Brown hung with them. Um, I will say this Hall's biggest advantage in most games is going to be that they're older and more experienced than you, but I don't know how much of an edge they have over SC in that, in that category outside of Collier. There's a ton of upperclassmen on this roster. Um, the, the one other underclassman that plays is a and I, he's been back in the lineup. I love having him back in the lineup. I do think that he's a guy who is capable of totally dominating games when he's on the floor. It's just, he's, I mean, his entire season last year was derailed by injuries. He's already missed games this season with injury. I don't know how often he's going to be on the floor, but when he's out there, he's certainly the kind of weapon that, you know, teams like Seton Hall even don't have. Teams that have good bigs don't have the kind of athletes that he is. Um, SC's had a couple disappointing showings early, like I said, but to me, they're still the only side I'd look to back here. What, What do you see? Yeah, fickle Southern Cal, unfortunately, just seeming to show up for big games and then have some real stumbling blocks that they step on a Lego middle of the night or something like that. I'm not, <laughs> I don't have any children, but I feel like that probably would resonate with people that do. Um, 
<laughs> Seton Hall to me, I'm literally trying to fade Sheen Hallway until he is removed from this job. Uh, it was a great run at St. Peter's. I think a lot was uh, fortune that really kind of worked out for him and maybe uh, lightning in a bottle and a good team that fit really well a tournament setup. I, I don't know when Seton Hall are going to get back to a dance, unfortunately. Um, I don't think the way that Shaheen Holloway, like Hollowell, Holloway, excuse me, plays his, his strategies, I don't think work in big time college basketball. I think it's, it's okay in tournament play if you're playing back to back games in multiple days and things of that nature. I think that heckle and that run and gun style can help, but um, I'm a seller and looking to try to be against uh, any Seton Hall money as much as I can. I, I don't know that this will be small enough for that minus three to come out there. I feel like it will probably be bigger. Uh, again, don't want to quote Torvik lines because I'm not really sure if I trust them at this point <laughs> of the season, but he's got it five. I feel like something in that area is around where more I was thinking. Um, but I feel like I'm going to have my eyes open uh, and going to be looking for some openers over the next few days this coming week because – uh, those numbers seem like they could be very, very advantageous and you want to get on them early because I think they only go a certain direction. Uh, to your point, going inside against USC is not the way to do it. You want to shoot over them um, and really try to out-rebound them. But there's not a lot of size. The St. Peter's way that Holloway basically got this Seton Hall job when they weren't taking him seriously before his his NCAA tournament run, and I think because he was trying to get that job previously. Um, unfortunately, it like they don't have the team to – outsize really anybody and especially not USC who have some of the, the tallest trees in all of college basketball. So uh, I'm not really sure where Seton Hall go for points in this one. Yes. Maybe they potentially get USC off of um, a couple poor showings, but I feel like that almost puts USC in a better position being like, okay, we got to get this ship on or this, this train on the tracks back on there and really get a good win to kind of push us forward into this like weird holiday stretch and then really to get ready for conference play. Uh, the win against Kansas state was nice, but um, unfortunately that's not going to go a, a, a super long way for C for USC so far. So I think this is one of the games. I mean, they got Gonzaga coming up on the 2nd of, of December, which probably is, is circled on the calendars plus a road trip to Auburn and then conference play starts with a, a road trip to Oregon. But I feel like if you're looking at non-conference spots and, and most important games, this is one from USC. So I really, I mean, if they sleepwalk through this one and really struggle with the Seton Hall team, they should beat pretty handily. I'll be surprised. Uh, I don't know about how much support there is. It seems to be in, in LA, USC was really struggling to draw fans for a long time, but uh, I think that's been fixed most recently because they've been a lot better. Uh, but to me, it's a, a, a USC play or nothing here. Uh, I just hope that the, the initial openers or that there's a marketplace out there that that really likes Seton Hall because I'd love to be on the other side. Yeah, Ken Palm makes this game too. So um, Great. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> we will see. Uh, all right. Uh, tell the people how they can save some money at pregame. Then I'm going to give a uh, little programming note before your best bet. Okay, sounds good. Uh, use promo code DUNK15, D-U-N-K, 15, good for $15 off for any listeners of this college basketball podcast. It's good for seven days from the podcast release, so you got until the 26th of November, but why wait? We got Maui starting tomorrow. We got plenty of other conference tournament or non-conference tournaments, excuse me, uh, running all over these weeks as we get ready, trying to fit in a bunch of college basketball games while all these colleges know that college football is a big draw. So probably not a lot of Saturday stuff that'll keep college football for, for everyone those days, but certainly get ready. There's a lot of games on neutral courts, 
which are the best spot, I think, to make a lot of money because you're really picking who's going to win and you don't have to so, so much worry about the, the fouls late, though, uh, of course, they do come back to get some of us, like uh, if you had Vermont tonight, unfortunately. But uh, use the promo code DUNK15, go for $15 off for all listeners of this College Basketball Podcast. And AJ and I get a little bit of credit. Uh, I don't know if people like us a little more or maybe more, some more thumbs up in the Vegas office when, when AJ's there for uh, getting you to use it. So throw it in there, DUNK15, and save yourself some money. All right. Uh, this is normally our schedule is we record Sunday night for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday games, and Thursday night for Friday, Saturday, Sunday games. Thursday is Thanksgiving. We will not have an episode for this weekend, so uh, just enjoy the games. The, most of the good games are on Thanksgiving Day anyway. So if if you're uh, if you're into college hoops more than you are the NFL, then by all means, there's some there's some solid matchups, including that USC game. Uh, on Thursday, but uh, I think Oklahoma Iowa play then uh, the Michigan State Arizona games also that day, and there was one other one that was interesting to me. Uh, oh, Penn State and Texas A and M play on Thanksgiving as well. So um, no episode for us, but you know enjoy the games, and uh, and we'll be back next Sunday night for the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday games next week. So uh, enjoy your holiday, everyone. All right, Griffin. Let's uh, let's make their holiday a little more enjoyable. Let's get them a best bet that's going to get them to the window. Yes, yes. Less trip to fan, hopefully, in this one. Uh, we're going to go to the Virginia Cavaliers, uh, one of my least favorite teams in all of college basketball, I got to say. <laughs> but I do like them because they're playing a team that I just don't really respect or trust at this point, the Wisconsin Badgers. A neutral site, someplace, I think, in Fort Myers area of Florida. Um, maybe some potential snowbirds coming down from Wisconsin, potentially trying to catch some some sun to work on their tan right before they go inside for three more months or something like that. But uh, Virginia, the, the Cavaliers, a two and a half point favorite at a neutral site. Um, they have a lot of roster turnover, and I'm not m- making anything light of that. But um, I'm, I'm just looking to play against Wisconsin while I feel like their prices are inflated. Uh, a favorite on the road, closing a favor on the road at Providence, um, opening an underdog and moving to a favorite to me suggests that there's a fair amount of belief in this Wisconsin team. I don't really see it. They've got a lot of players returning, but unfortunately that doesn't make them good or make them dynamic or make them a, a really big fear for me in college basketball. I'm, I'm looking to be against teams that I don't think are very, are very talented. Uh, I think Wisconsin fits that bill. They're, essentially the same type of offense with worse players than when Bo Ryan was coaching his like top assistant uh, who basically was handed over the job because Bo Ryan didn't want it to be potentially given to someone else has done, I think, okay in the position, but things have have soured lately. And I just don't have a lot of respect for the Wisconsin team. I think they're going to play a slow paced game. I think that's what Virginia wants. So they've been playing a little bit faster in recent years. Uh, but I think Virginia's going to score more. Wisconsin's going to try to, I guess, if their best chance is to try to shoot well from the perimeter, which we haven't seen in years at this point. So uh, take Virginia minus two and a half. On uh, This looks like a Monday night start, so uh, should have a line out there. Uh, it might be one you want to grab because I don't really see who's back in Wisconsin at this point, uh, but maybe someone out there uh, thinks that Craig Gard's about to turn it around. I, I... – <laughs> I don't think anybody thinks that Greg Gard's about to turn the corner. Uh, I would hope they don't think he's about to turn the corner because they're wrong. Uh, I've gotten to see, I've gotten to see this squad a few times, and the Tennessee game, okay, uh, getting blown out by Tennessee is is not necessarily a bad thing in my opinion because that's a that's a really good squad. Providence, uh, okay, uh, Providence is decent. Like you should probably be at least competing with them though. 
Uh, but then the the Robert Morris game, like they were all out to be in that game. Like it was a like they were they were it was tie game with like nine minutes left. Uh, and that's against one of the, you know, like a, a team that's 265 in Kimpom and you're at home fighting to beat Robert Morris. I'm with you. I don't like either of these teams, but I like Virginia a lot more right now. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Um, let's, let's go, uh, Tony Bennett, hopefully, because I think this means a lot to him probably anytime he plays Wisconsin, cause his dad was a coach there. And, and I think that's where he really grew up. So big deal for Virginia. I think they're looking forward to uh, trying to get back to those national title ways, which might never come back again. All right. That is going to do it for this episode. Uh, like I said, enjoy your holidays, everyone. Hopefully we've got, we've got some winners, put a little extra black, black Friday cash in your pocket uh with purdue and virginia we appreciate you guys listening as always uh griffin tell the people where they can find you on x twitter or wherever ah yes the twitter the real underscore g warner um wish someone I asked about it today handle oh so thank, I, thank I, you I had to peoples. send them to you they were like oh i wanted to thank griffin for his uh his premium pick on pregame i was like i can't find his twitter handle so i i tagged you in it uh, and I'm thank always you, at you. AJ is the real. So, uh, yeah, we appreciate you guys following the show, following us. And uh, good again, good holidays to you all. And we will talk to you next week.